Hi, this is Let's Go Again, a philosophical and practical podcast for indie creatives navigating reality while building the dream. I'm your host, Courtney Romano, a writer-director in New York City and the founder of Queensbird Films. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about what stops us from making creative work. You probably, if you're listening to this, have a brilliant idea. Maybe it's an artistic work or some other creative entrepreneurial endeavor. An idea is so interesting that you think about it all the time. In fact, you can't stop thinking about it. And yet, for the life of you, you can't act on it. There's a gnawing feeling in your gut that it's just an idea, that you're lazy, that you aren't disciplined, that maybe you're just not someone who can execute on this creative work. Maybe that's just for special people and not you. And I'm here to tell you, that's a lie. I'm here to argue that not only is that a lie, but there are philosophies and practical tools you can use to make creative work. There are an abundance of philosophies and tools, actually. But today, we're going to talk about these. The Acratia Effect, the Unconscious Conscious Integration, and the Eight Habits of Mind. But first, updates from this week and an offering for you. For this week's What I Worked On, there's not too much to say because probably, as you can hear in my voice, I'm a little bit sick, the four-year-old has been sick, the nine-month-old has been sick, and Craig and I both have been sick. So there's been that. I have not been reading the 25 pages a day that I so (laughs) excitedly declared I was going to do last week. I did it maybe like two days out of the last week. And that's just how it goes. That's just how it went. I have been doing a lot of business work, working on how to get traffic to the website, working on partnerships, working on building out income streams for my production company, Queensbird Films. And my inner struggle, and you know, I wonder if you feel this too, is always how to balance the business against the art. The artist part of me knows that I can really get suffocated and stilted if I just make it all about the business. I lose my connection to my gut. I lose my connection to my intuition. And I just start like gamifying everything and my competitive streak comes out, which is good. I like my competitive streak, but in service of something I actually want to be doing, which is the art. The business part of me knows I will not be able to pay for things if I make it all about the art with no focus or strategy. So I, you know, can also go into that other side of thinking, which is, oh, I'm just going to work on this script and and it's going to be so good that someone's going to come in and bop me on the head and say, Courtney, I've chosen you to skyrocket to all your hopes and dreams. So I'm trying to find the balance. And at the same time, hanging out with kids and their stuffy noses has, you know, brought me into a moment to pause and slow down a little bit. What I will say that I did this week is watched one movie and listened to one podcast that just started, you know, revving my mental engines a little bit. So as our house, as our apartment descended into uh, illness mayhem, I discovered the Always Sunny podcast. I love the show Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I think it's ridiculous and it's it's it goes into shame like If you ever wanted to just have fun with shame and like the worst aspects of humanity, like, and have fun in that space, Always Sunny is for you. And on the podcast, they start talking about the three men who 
uh, star in it and and created it start talking about how they made each episode from the very first one. And there are, I think, 16 or 17 seasons now. And, you know, they filmed their first episode ever on, you know, a, a like, I think it was like on a VHS tape. This is in like 2001 or 2002 or something, long time ago. And, you know, it was a different time. So somehow it got into the hands of people in LA who could make things happen. And they, essentially their story is they made their show of 17 seasons happen because they just got together and filmed something. I think we live in a slightly, uh, not slightly, I'm saying that sarcastically, a very different time now than 20 years ago when these things were possible, right? But I think the general principle behind what they're doing, underneath what they're doing, is really interesting. And it has a lot of that intangible magic to it that I am so interested in hearing about. So I have started listening to that as I'm doing some other work, and it's just making me giggle. The other thing that I watched this week was being John Malkovich. Um, I know, I don't know where I have been since 1999. And also I love Charlie Kaufman movies in general, so I really don't know where I've been. But I am telling you, I have been sick. I have been exhausted. I have been not in the best mood. And I was leaning in off the couch watching this. I had such a good time. Something that it really taught me and and what I want to think about in my feature is how to be unafraid and unapologetic to take a concept and twist it and like wring it out for all it's worth. Knowing that you can always bring it back, right? But as John Malkovich enters his own mind and sees all of the different John Malkoviches at this restaurant, I mean, like I was just giggling in glee. Again, it was delightful to see how ridiculous something could be. So I didn't do any work, but I definitely looked at the content that I was consuming through the lens of my own work. And, um, I finally saw being John Malkovich. Okay, let us do a card pull today. Today I am pulling a tarot card from the Arcana deck. Um, This is the one by Diego Eduardo that I really love. And I'm shuffling the cards. And again, you know, as much as we want to get into psychology and philosophy and strategy and business, everything, you know, as indie creatives, we've got to wear all of these hats all the time. Also, I like to take this moment in every episode and every day I pull something for myself to just remind myself that there is intangible magic in what we do. And if we can find that, not only do I think the creative work is better, but I think it's more fun to say like, hey, let me connect with my intuition here and and see where it's guiding me. See if there's something in my unconscious that comes up and, and gives me an answer that I wouldn't have been able to come to with my logical mind. So today in this card poll, this is for you, the listener, wherever you are today, whatever you're experiencing, whatever question you have in your head about your creative work or something else. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know your life. I wish I did. (laughs) Text me. Tell me about it. Um, But this is for you. And whatever comes up for you, that is what it means. I will also read the guide, the Rachel Pollock guide, um, once I pull the card. And whatever sticks out to you, that is, you know, the space that we're living in today. All right. So today's card. I I love this one. The Queen of Cups. I just feel like the Queen of Cups is so auspicious. I just let every time I've gotten this, I'm like, ooh, something good is happening. So I hope that's that's true for us here. 
So Rachel Pollock says, Water of water. As one of the four pure elemental cards, the Queen of Cups carries a special power. She is much closer to the High Priestess than the impatient King of Wands is to the Magician. For the Queen of Cups is intense and deeply committed to her path, which we might call the creative path of love. She sees, but she also acts, and her activity feeds her dream. Okay, there's more, but I'm going to read you the um, the like keywords. So this could be intensity, dedication, love, someone who blends feeling with action. She may represent a creative artist or creativity itself. She can also indicate love, both romantic and love of family, healing, and a sense of protection in some difficult situation. Well, if that's not the most perfect card for a discussion about the creative process and how to make work and how to, like, you know... I, I think about like the healing aspect of that and how that relates to the creative process and what kind of mental constraints we need to heal in order to just participate in the creative process in order to just say like, no, I'm not lazy. I'm not, I'm not stifled. I'm, I am in a cycle and I'm in a process and all of that is okay. So either way, let's let the queen of cups set the tone today for today's episode, all about the habits of mind you need in the creative process. When you tell someone you are a writer or that you've written a screenplay, you know what response you usually get? The person you're talking to usually says, I have a great idea for a screenplay. And what's interesting about this is if you keep the conversation going with them, they are correct. They do have a great idea for a screenplay. They've usually given it a lot of thought. They usually have it all mapped out in their head, the structure, the format, the opening image, the final image. And they usually have not written one single word. Why is that? Why do people get these creative ideas and expand them and have them so detailed and then they don't follow through? Maybe one reason is that, you know, some people with great ideas for screenplays are in different careers and they just aren't really going to pursue screenwriting. They just had a cool thought. But maybe these are would-be writers dealing with resistance with a capital R. The concept made popular by Stephen Pressfield's book, The War of Art. I'm sure you've read it. If you haven't, you can read it in a day. It's so good. Here are Stephen Pressfield's words. The dream arises in our psyche, even if we deny it, even if we fail to or refuse to recognize it, like a tree ascending into the sunshine. Simultaneously, the dream's shadow appears, i.e. resistance, just as a physical tree casts a physical shadow. That's a law of nature. Where there is a dream, there is resistance. Thus, where we encounter resistance, somewhere nearby is a dream. This concept of like using resistance as a portal into <laughs> your deepest desires was such a huge revelatory shift for me about 10 or so years ago. And, and this is sim- sort of similar to what I talked about in episode four. In episode four, I quoted Penny Pierce, who basically said, if you are consciously asking a question, then unconsciously you have an answer for that question. And the work is about uncovering the unconscious to reveal the answer. I don't know if Pressfield meant to (laughs) invoke shadow work as a possible strategy to work with resistance, but it's what I hear right away when I read his quote about the dream casting a shadow. The bigger the dream is, the bigger the shadow is. 
the bigger the conscious desires, the bigger the unconscious shadow. And it makes me think about our creative goals and dreams as sort of like an iceberg. Over the water, we can see what we want to accomplish. For instance, you know, we have the script idea, the great idea for the screenplay. But underneath the water is our unconscious, which is actually the majority of the iceberg itself. Which, of course, if you know anything about Carl Jung, you you know I'm going to his famous quote right now, which is, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. It took me some time to figure this out, this quote out, so I'm just going to read it one more time. Until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. So the iceberg underneath the creative idea is the thing that is directing us. Our resistance, our shadow, our unconscious is really the one in control. And whatever we find down there will explain why we're not pursuing the thing we want to pursue. I find this to be incredibly helpful personally, because so often we berate ourselves. I, hello, me, hi, I'm the problem. Berate ourselves as artists. I'm lazy. I'm not talented enough. I'm not disciplined. I'm a hack. There's a scene in Kinsley Versus, my web series about an anxious writer, not deeply personal at all, um, where one of Kinsley's inner voices goes on a rant about how Kinsley is going to be a hack, an amateur, or seen as, God forbid, a hobbyist. This character, Edie, played by Sarah States, is an embodiment of the shadow, these murky, difficult-to-swallow, unseemly thoughts we have about ourselves. And this was actually really, really fun to write because I was able to bring up all this unconscious fodder that I try to suppress in my everyday life. I was able to bring that up to the surface. Artistically, it was really fun to bring these tormented personal thoughts out into the light. And I think it makes for one of the best episodes of the series. But this brings us back to the question of how do I execute my artistic ideas and actually make them happen when I have all of this resistance? There is a philosophical concept for this, and it's called the Acacia Effect which is loosely translated as lacking self-control or acting against your own self-interests. And this idea, the Acacia effect, this idea has been around since Aristotle. I won't get into everything those guys thought about it because it's a rabbit hole and there's only so much time. But just to say, this whole idea of acting against your own self-interest and not having the self-control to actualize what you want, this is deeply embedded in human nature. It's not you, it's us. So knowing that the Acacia effect is very much a thing and knowing that the bigger our dream, the bigger the resistance and knowing that our unconscious mind is directing our conscious actions, what do we do? Do we have to be special to execute on creative work? I think everyone with a great screenplay idea can write their screenplay, but I think it requires two things. One, the ability to tap into the unconscious part of our minds and two, finding the right doorway. To untap into the unconscious part of our mind, we can do this a lot of ways. We can do shadow work, which I go over in episode four. We can do inversion thinking, um, which I go through in episode one. We can do therapy, which I do every other week. You can journal, exercise. I mean, there are so many ways to figure out what we're actually thinking without you know, putting our hands to our heads and crying up to the universe and trying to rationalize our way through it. You don't need to necessarily do anything once you access that unconscious space. Just looking at it is actually a way forward, a way to integrate it. 
when you just look at what's going on under the surface through meditation or through shadow work or through going for a run, just looking at it, just being aware of it makes you more spacious. Spaciousness to me means, you know, giving yourself more options. You're no longer controlled by the thing that you can't see. Your possibilities become a bit freer. You're, you're no longer someone who is just quote unquote too lazy. You know, you don't, you don't say that to yourself anymore because there's an expansiveness. You can see the whole iceberg and that ability to see yourself more clearly opens up the possibility to consciously drive your actions and creative habits. When I was auditioning a lot and I was an actor. One of the things that they always said to us when we went to auditions was like, get into class. You need to be going to class. You need to get to dance. And I could not for the life of me. I loved dancing. I loved being in shows. I could not get myself to dance class. I was like, I know I'm supposed to do this. Now, part of it was because I thought this is expensive and I can't afford it because I'm an actor. So um, I, I can't like do it consistently. But you know, I could have made that work. I could have like, well, some years I couldn't make that work, but I probably could have asked for something for a gift or something, you know, like asked for four classes. So for a month I could take classes. I never did anything like that. I just said, I can't do it. And part of me, when I realized that I wanted to go more into writing and then more into directing and film and all this, part of me recognizes that the shadow underneath why I couldn't get myself to that dance class, even though everyone was like, that's the way to get better. That's the way to get jobs was because I didn't want those jobs. I mean, there are a lot of reasons why I didn't go to the dance class, but definitely part of it was this unconscious feeling that was driving my fate, that was driving me, which was there was part of me that knew I don't want to go be in someone else's creative project. I want to make my own creative project. And if I'm not going to audition for something, I want to spend my time making something else, doing something else, experiencing life in a different way. And that's just a small example of of how my unconscious mind was driving my own habits and and seemingly going against my own self-interest as someone who said, oh, I want to be on Broadway. So, okay, let's just assume that you know how to do shadow work. If you're listening to this podcast, you are self-reflective, you're thoughtful, you're an intuitive human who is probably used to self-defining and interrogating your own thought systems. So let's just say you know how to approach step one. So let's focus on step two, finding the right doorway. The creative process is so annoying because it's so amorphous. It's not like the scientific method that has seven steps laid out that you practice from start to finish. The creative process has many, 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 many doorways. And this can become overwhelming even to the most practiced creative folks. And I want to say before I start this section, I want to say that getting into your creative process is not about some you know, capitalist productivity scheme. It is a playing out of potential. It's that feeling inside that I think I think all of us have, which is I have something really, really special and important to do here, and I don't know what it is, but if I don't try to do it, I am miserable. And there have been many years when I haven't tried to do it, and I've been miserable. I've always felt 800 times better, even if I don't execute the creative project in the best way possible, I feel better if I have done it personally. So when we are talking about entering the doorway into the creative process so that we are not going against our own self-interest, remember that I am centering this fully in our personal experience of what it means to be creative and what it means to pursue our work, not in the get rich quick, 
and not in the, you know, overnight success way, but in the make a life as an artist, make a life, make a life that you want to live kind of way. So how do we begin this? Project Zero at Harvard. Have you heard, have you heard of Harvard? Um, it began in 1967, this project. And it started with the mission to understand and nurture human potentials in all human beings. So one of their most uh, recent, one of their more recent, I should say, investigations had to do with artist thinking patterns within a studio practice. So what actually happens when artists are at work? What are they doing and how are they thinking? From 2001 to 2007, Project Zero conducted a study of these questions. And the study included interviews and video observation and rigorous coding that documented art teachers' uh, pedagogical intentions and educational strategies. And then researchers conducted follow-up interviews and, and talked with the teachers following each observation. And what they found were eight habits of mind that artists developed in a studio practice. And what I find the most fascinating is that unlike the scientific method, these habits of mind have no hierarchical, 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 yeah, hierarchical structure. There's, there's not one that's better than the others. There's not one place to start. You can start with any one of these habits and they provide an entryway into a robust, truly robust creative process. And not only that, but one part of the process begets the next and another and another and another, not necessarily in a specific order, but in a sort of ecosystem that keeps the creative process self-fulfilling. It's self-perpetuating. One habit births the next habit, which births the next habit. And if you continue to engage with the process, you almost can't help but execute and finish the work. So here they are in all of their glory, the eight artist habits of mind. One, develop craft. Learn new skills, methods, or techniques. Also learn how to care for tools or the studio space. Number two, observe. Close read what's around you. Look to see what you don't normally see if you're not really paying attention. Number three, stretch and explore. Being playfully open to mistakes, accidents, and stretching beyond what you're good at. Accessing a kind of flow state. Four, envision. Use your imagination to conceptualize an end product and then use your imagination to envision the next steps. Number five, express. Communicate something deeply, deeply personal. Six, engage and persist. Get hyped up by and embrace the problems in broad contexts and personal contexts as a way to energize yourself into persevering in the artistic process. Seven, reflect. Talk about work with others as well as learn how to self-evaluate. And eight, understand the world. Recognize historical context and community context. Know where your art fits in in the historical timeline. Learn how to engage with other artists in local and global ways. Each one of these is a doorway into the creative process, and some perhaps are more obvious than others. For instance, you know, develop craft. This is how I first started writing screenplays. I had to learn. I had to get a new tool in my toolkit, a new technique. I studied other screenplays. I read screenwriting books and asked questions of other writers, and that set off a creative process of writing scripts that hasn't stopped. Then I think there are some more that might be a little less obvious, like number eight, understand the world. 
This habit of mind is a doorway into the creative process in, in a couple of different ways. Engaging with other artists is a great way to get inspired and into action when you see other artists making work, when you get into conversation with other artists, um, you know, even just like commenting on someone's social media posts, like creating these little connections between you and artists. Or if you look at the historical context of your artistic medium, that might inspire you to more closely define the reaction in your creativity. For instance, we are in this AI moment, right? Perhaps you have a strong reaction either way, whether you love it or hate it, to this AI moment. And that is, that could be one doorway into your creative process. You could be starting to explore what your art means in relation to the AI era. And just that particular lens that you put on your creative work can be the thing that gets you to generate and creates that momentum for you into the process. You can see how these doorways create endless opportunity for you to explore your own creative voice through a myriad of different options. So let's make a creative plan right here and right now. We will go through the two steps, reveal your unconscious mind, and then choose a doorway from the artist habit of mind framework to begin something. So part one, ask yourself, by not starting your creative work, what are you gaining? How is not starting your creative work protecting you? How is not starting your creative work helping you? And how can you make sure you never do your creative work? Remember, this is, these are not sarcastic questions. There are answers to these. And that is what shadow work is. If you need a primer, again, episode four is a great one. And remember that there is value in just seeing your unconscious consciously. You gain spaciousness. You don't even necessarily have to do anything with these answers. But just simply being aware of them will integrate them into your consciousness so they don't have as much control over your habits and actions. Part two, choosing a doorway. So after you've done some of that work, choose one artist habit of mind to start your creative process, whichever one sounds the most exciting for you. You can go back and listen to them, but as a quick reminder, it's develop craft, observe, stretch and explore, envision, express, engage and persist, reflect, and understand the world. So using that doorway into process, what is your next step? Is it to build out a creative idea that came up? Is it to reach out to someone in your network and build your artistic community? Is it to go to a pottery class? Is it to meditate? What is the next step? Then set a date and time to enact that next step. This is huge for me. If I do not write it down and if I don't give myself space for it, it will not happen. And then set a reminder two weeks from that time to check back in. Are you still in that same part of your creative process? Have you moved on to something else? Observe yourself at that two-week mark and see what could come next. You might already be off and running and you don't even need a check-in. But whenever I start something new that is a bit of an uphill trudge, I always set a reminder or else my unconscious mind will purposely make me forget. The fun thing about investigating the Acacia effect in our lives and hopping into the flow of the creative process is that what previously felt locked can start to feel unlocked. You get a glimpse of what it could feel like if you opened up to parts of yourselves that you had previously shut down. It's like that dream that people have when they're in their own home, but then you open up a door to a room that you've never seen before, and it's like getting your very own Narnia 
and it doesn't require an academic degree or a high-paying salary or permission. You can open those doors at any time and find out what's on the other side. All right, that's all I got for us today. Um, Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for everyone who's already rated and reviewed on Spotify and Apple or shared with friends. If you haven't rated or reviewed yet and you got something out of this or another episode, I would be so grateful for you to do that on either Spotify or Apple. Sharing with friends is also a huge way to help our little our, our little guy grow, <laughs> our little podcast grow. So if you haven't already shared with friends or tagged us on social when you're listening, that would be wonderful. Everything that you need to tag us and find us is in the show notes. And also in the show notes is a November reading list that I put together with some books and articles that are kind of related to what we're talking about in this season in the past few episodes of Let's Go Again. And also some things that I just think are kind of adjacent to the topics that we're talking about here that could be kind of fun to for you to dive into so don't forget to pick that up in the show notes as well it's obviously completely free thank you so much for being here i really appreciate you i will see you next week 